As they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. He is risen. Come on. He is risen. All right, you may be seated. So my name is Lou. I have the privilege of teaching the youth here at Calvary Chapel. And um, for over a year, we've been going through the Gospel of Luke verse by verse. And this week, I would have been teaching Luke 24. So I guess all of you get to be the youth group today. And, um, but um, uh, the one exception is we're not going to have the give and take of questions and, and whatnot. You get to hear me do all the talking. But if you have any questions, you can catch me after service. Um, I would like to say hi, Dee, and hi, Bonnie, uh, a couple of our bedridden sisters who can't be here. Uh, you know, you're not forgotten. So we are here at the last chapter of Luke's gospel. And he is bringing up a historical account that we read in all of the other gospels too. Uh, there are some nuances, there's some differences. Like here it mentioned two men. I mean, that's, the women thought they were two men. It's clarified elsewhere, they were angels. But we're gonna work our way through Luke 24, and see what we can get out of it this morning. So, first day of the week, early in the morning, you know, these ladies, it happened the Sabbath, they were preparing the spices to anoint what they believed to be the dead body of Jesus. Their hopes were dead, but they could do something. Uh, and so they were going to bring these spices to anoint the body. We read, you know, one of their concerns was, who's going to move the stone? And then we discovered there in verse 2, they found the stone rolled away. And then the point to make here is, Jesus didn't need the stone rolled away. We're going to see later in this chapter, he's going to just walk through a wall. He, he, he's just going to appear in a room. The reason the stone is rolled away is for us. We, like the disciples, like these women, needed to see the tomb was empty. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus proved that he was God. He proved that he could die for our sins. And they could see the tomb is empty. But Noticed, it does say they were perplexed. Any of you ever been perplexed? Show of hands. You've been perplexed about? Okay, you're in good company. This is not, Satan might lie to you and say, hey, you're the only one who has questions about your faith. You know, don't bother the church. Just sneak away quietly. Don't bug them. Well, from the very beginning, very first day of the resurrection, we've got perplexed believers. We can relate to them. 
and we can learn from them. And so these two men show up. One of them does most of the talking. So in another gospel, it just mentions the one that does the talking. And um, they've got a challenge. Why do you seek the living among the dead? And, you know, here is where tone comes in. You know, I believe this was a very gentle tone, a very loving tone. You know, th these angels knew these women were hurting. And so they're asking a question, you know, why do you seek the living among the dead? It is not kind of a, hey, morons, why do you seek the living among the dead? I mean, sometimes our tone makes a lot of difference. To realize, you know, sometimes God has to rebuke us, but he's got a loving tone. His emissaries have a loving tone. We, as his emissaries, need to have a loving tone. But they don't dance around. They will ask the question, an important question. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember, very important word. Whenever I run into the word remember, I circle it. We are called to remember. We are to be people of the book. And as we read our Bibles, we will come across things, but we don't come across them just once. The Bible is a book we read and reread, and we find new things every time we mine through the Bible. We're going to discover new things. And we need to remember the things that we've discovered. And here, these women, these grieving, perplexed women, are told, hey, remember. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee. Remember how he spoke to you when you first became saved, when you first opened up a Bible, when you first read a gospel. Remember how he spoke to you. And this is what he said. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day rise again. This is what we need to remember. This is what we're remembering this morning. Uh, I'm going to turn real quick to 1 Corinthians 15. You are welcome to turn there too. And starting at verse 1, we read, Moreover, brethren, this is Paul talking to the Corinthians, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. Oh, we get to learn what the gospel is. Paul is declaring the gospel here. The gospel which I preached to you, which you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried, and that he rose again the third day 
according to the scriptures. And then Paul continues on talking about the witnesses, all of these witnesses that saw the risen Lord. But the key is the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. It's not a surprise. The Bible talked about it. The Bible prophesied about it. This is not some obscure fact. It is history. And we need to hold on to it. And note, Paul even mentions he died for our sins. There, there is a movement going on. And it's been going on since the Garden of Eden. But they've got a name for it now. They're calling it the Deconstruction Movement. And, you know, it's a movement that encourages Christians to deconstruct their faith, essentially to destroy their faith. A never-ending process of just destroying what they believe. And interviews have been done of those who've supposedly deconstructed their faith. And what they found in a lot of these cases is these people who said they were Christians never really had a relationship with a Jesus who died for their sins. You know, Jesus was a cool guy that they've left behind. Jesus was a good teacher that they've left behind. But a knowledge that they were a sinner and they needed to be saved from their sins is missing in a lot of these interviews. Paul mentions it. Jesus mentions it. The Gospels mention it. We are sinners. Jesus died for our sins, to take the place of our sins, if we would have it. We can rebel and say, no, I want to die for my own sins. Jesus died for our sins, and it's according to the scriptures. He rose again according to the scriptures. Not an accident, not something that's tacked on, something that was the plan from the beginning, the prophesied plan from the beginning. And so this is the gospel, and this is what the angels are reminding these women of back in Luke. So you can go back to Luke 24. We're going to be there the rest of the, the class or the rest of the, the message here. Um, the Son of Man must be delivered. Not an option. He must be delivered in the hands of sinful men, crucified, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered. And we need to remember this. We can't put it aside. We can't walk out this door and, and just, you know, okay, you know, next Sunday I'll see, you know, who's going to be teaching? Is Pastor Paul going to be there? Is, you know, no, you've got to remember this today, all week. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose again. He proved that he was God. They remembered. We need to remember and so verse 8, they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. 
and it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them. And these ladies tell the apostles, and so in verse 11, we read these magic words, and their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. These are the disciples. These are the guys. They struggled to believe. Yet I can tell you, when we struggle, Satan's going to lie to you and say, you're the only one. You might as well just walk out, go elsewhere. No, believers struggle. I mean, some of this stuff, you know, we, we need to process, we need to work through. We, you know, as far as the youth, you know, gotta talk to your mom and dad. You know, be honest and say, I'm struggling with this. Adults, be honest, I'm struggling with this. How does this work? You know, we've got Pastor Bob, Barbara, Pastor Paul and Teresa, Ted and Jan, you've got Sarah, you've got you know, Jesse, you've got these saints who will sit down and struggle with you, talk to you. They went and they run into this disbelief. I don't think they gave up, and at least Peter didn't give up. Peter decided to go check it out for himself. So verse 12, Peter arose, ran to the tomb. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves. And he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. So he's processing it. You know, sometimes, you know, it's a light bulb. We realize immediately, Jesus died for my sins. Sometimes you've got to process it. Sometimes we have to marvel. Peter marveled. He didn't keep on marveling, though, for the rest of his life. He, he, he processed it. But now we get to what's got to be one of my favorite stories in the Bible. We've got the historical account of the Emmaus Road. Verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling. And so we've got two disciples. They're not part of the 12, but there was a larger group of disciples that followed Jesus. So two of them are traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things that had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned. Now, I like that word reasoned. It's just not mindless chatter. It's not just, you know, getting all emotional or whatnot. They're, they're reasoning. They're, they're thinking through this stuff. What is this death and resurrection stuff? How does it work? How does it apply? They're reasoning. You know, so they're being very human. And we read in verse 15, Jesus drew himself near and went with them. You're not alone. Jesus is with you. When you're, when you're processing things in your Christian walks, 
Jesus will be there with you. Their eyes were restrained, we see in verse 16, though. They did not know him. They, they didn't recognize who this was. And he, Jesus said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Now, Jesus recognizes they're sad. God knows when we're sad. And the name of the one who was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem that have, and have you not known the things that happened in these days? And Jesus knew, didn't he? I mean, he was the, the center of everything. He was the one who was crucified. He was the one who was beaten. He was the one who was mocked in our place. He was the one who died. He's the one who rose that morning. And, but Jesus knew they needed to talk this out. They, they, they are, they're processing it. And so Jesus says to them, what things? I mean, again, he very easily could have said, of course I know you morons, it all happened to me. No. He, he, what things? Let's talk. Please be honest with God regarding the things you struggle with. And so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. And so they're honest. They knew a lot of the facts, right? Hey, Jesus, he's from Nazareth, you know, uh, mighty indeed, we know all of this stuff. But there are some things that you know, we do see the confusion. We were hoping. They had a plan. Now, okay, God, you know, this is my plan, what you're going to do. You're going to redeem Israel. You're going to kick out the Romans. You're going to restore our kingdom. You're going to, you know, get all the Gentiles out of the land, and we are going to be free in a nation again. And this was the expectation when they were thinking redeem. Um, so they had the right word, they had the wrong definition. Sometimes our struggles are because we have the wrong definition for a word. So they're honest and in this it's clear. They don't have their terms right and they're putting their hope in the wrong thing. And so, and they say, you know, besides, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body and came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And so, you know, these disciples have now been honest with God. This is what's going on. 
and we're astonished. You know, we're, man, we're, we're hearing these, these stories, we're hearing, you know, rose from the dead, and, and Jesus responds in verse 25. Then he said to them, O oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe. And here again, I think this is a very gentle tone. I mean, you read that word foolish and you think he really could have ripped into them, right? But I'm sure he said it in a loving way to check. And sometimes, you know, again, a step back. How many times have we really been foolish about things that we've said or believed about God? Yeah, you know, we've got some, some heads nodding yes here. Uh, I'm not doing a show of hands this time. Um, oh, foolish and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to have entered into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. If you take notes, circle the word all. Because it's, it's there three times. Jesus is making it very clear. All the prophets have spoken. All the prophets. All the scriptures. The things concerning himself. It's all about Jesus. And there are so many secondary arguments regarding doctrines, regarding political beliefs, regarding, you know, what, whatever. Get back to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's got to be about Jesus. And so Jesus, you know, gently, you know, points out, you know, you guys are being foolish. And part of it is because... They were thinking redemption meant, you know, somebody rising up to lead them in battle against the Romans. I mean, they, they, they were getting caught up in, you know, the politics of the day. And, and Jesus just gets them back to Scripture, gets them back to the Word of God. In fact, you know, Jesus could have just said, hey, look my hands, nail prints, Aha! Neener, neener, neener. But he, he wouldn't do that to us. He does something for them that we can also do. He points them to the Bible. He says, look at the scriptures. Look at the Bible. Jesus believed the Bible. He believed that all, all, all. We need to trust our Bibles, and we need to look at Jesus all, all, all. Um, it's all about Jesus. And it says, he expounded to them. Some of your translations might say, he translated to them. That Greek word has the idea of sticking to the text. There were no tangents. There were no speculations. Jesus stuck to the Bible, and even though double the length of the Gospel of Luke, 
I wish that they had written down everything Jesus said when he went through all of Scripture explaining uh, that pull out the paper, okay, hold on, you know, let me write that down. I would love to have that. Instead, I've got to go through and read all the Bible myself and look for Jesus. I guess we get to do that too. You know, instead of, uh, of Luke 25 through, you know, Luke 50 or whatnot, we, we, we get to read the rest of the Bible and find all of these places where Jesus is. And so they're having this discussion. They're walking along. Jesus is talking to them. Verse 28, they draw near to this village where they're going. And Jesus indicates that he's going to go farther. Uh, I don't know if he just, okay, you know, I'm glad we talked. Good talking to you. And they constrained him. Abide with us for towards evening. The day is spent. And he went in to stay with them. They invited Jesus into the home. They said, we don't want to just leave you out on the road, Jesus. They didn't know it was Jesus, but they knew he had the answers, right? They said, come inside. Come in with us. We want to invite you in. We need these answers. We need the word of God expounded to us. We need to see what's in God's word. So he goes in to stay. And verse 30, now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed, and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Wow. In verse 32, they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us? Not just their minds, not just head knowledge. You know, this was not a seminary class. This was their hearts that were being touched here. Did not our hearts burn within us when he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed. He's appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Man, they went to be with other believers. You know, they had this exciting stuff going on. It's, you know, let's, let's go back. Let's, let's find the other disciples. Let's talk. And then the other disciples, hey, you know, Jesus appeared to, to Simon. And man, they're having this great fellowship. You know, man, Jesus is alive. So that makes it interesting because then in verse 36, we read, Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them. And he said to them, Peace to you. Does the party continue? Verse 37. But they were terrified and frightened. This doesn't compute to me. 
But again, it shows that believers are very human. And, you know, again, I come back. I know the youth, they're targeted at the age that they're at. And they have struggles. And some of those struggles are frightening. They're perplexed. They are not alone. You are not alone. This is what happens to Christians. But they went to be with other disciples. I think that's important. Well, Jesus appears to them, and peace to you. And it's, like I say, the, the juxtaposition of peace to you and terrified and frightened, you know, makes me scratch my head and makes me realize, okay, you know, A, I'm not that big of a doofus, and B, I am that big of a doofus. Um, now, they supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And Jesus knew that there were going to be cults that would be saying, oh, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. It, it was just a ghost. It was just a spirit. It was just a mass hallucination. There are groups out there that say that. Jesus heads them off at the pass. See my hands and feet. Touch me. And we had, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still not, did not believe for joy, so they might have been believing, but, you know, they're still not partying. They're still not having the joy. And they're marveling. He says to them, have you any food here? He's just, again, reinforcing the fact, I'm not a ghost. They gave him a piece of broiled fish, some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Showing, I am resurrected. Then he said to them, so after dinner, they get the Bible study. These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all, is that word all again? All things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. That covers the entire Old Testament. Those are the three, you know, main divisions of the Hebrew Old Testament that they divide their Old Testament into their Torah, their Bible. Prophets, Psalms, law of Moses. All things must be fulfilled, which were written. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Jesus will do that for us. Pray, Lord, open my mind. Help me to understand this. You did it for your disciples. 
do it for me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this passage I'm reading. Give me insight. You know, give me somebody I can talk to. Um, then he said to them, verse 46, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Kind of coming back to what I talked about in 1 Corinthians 15, you know, that was for our sins, that Jesus died for our sins. And here, again, part of the gospel, repentance, remission of sins, and mentioned that a lot of those who are claiming that they were Christians and have fallen away now, when you interview them, they had no repentance. They had no remission of sins. And Jesus was a cool guy. You know, Jesus was somebody I learned about, uh, some stories when I went to this place where they had a cool concert. They called it a church. And, um, no, this is repentance and remission of sins. Man, Jesus died to take our sins. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And you've got the opportunity to say, nah, I want to die for my own sins. Or, yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it on my own. I need Jesus. So how does this apply to us? I mean, you may have come up with some applications already. You may have thought, thought, thought some things through. The resurrection is critical. The resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is critical. It proves who he is. It proves that what he did for us, dying in our place, is real. Second application we can get out of this. It's all about Jesus. Avoid the tangents. Verse 27. At the beginning of Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That word all. Verse 25. Foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. You know, that's why I love Calvary Chapel. Because you start at verse 1, chapter 1, and you work your way through. And you run into things that might make you uncomfortable. And you run into things where, you know, I'm not exactly sure about this, but I am sure about that. So I want to fall back on what I'm sure on. Um, you know, but we work our way through. God's word, because we need it all. Jesus said they needed it all. All means all. Another application. 
we may struggle with who Jesus is. We may struggle about what the Bible says. You're not the first one. Satan wants you to think that you are alone in your struggles. You are not. So don't be foolish and slow of heart. Jesus will teach us. Jesus will show us from his word. Finally, verse 33. They rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together. You know, run to other believers. This, this is where, and I'm, I'm now, again, I may be speaking to all of you, maybe all part of my youth group, but this is where things are blowing up with high school, junior high. They are running to TikTok. They are running to YouTube. They are running to, I don't think they go to Facebook anymore, maybe one or two of them might, but they're going to social media and there are people on social media who are there ready to love them, to give them answers. And they are expressly, you know, uh, read about this one person, who expressly said they were targeting 15-year-olds. That's why I want my youth to know the Bible. That's why they've got to know God's love, because they're being preyed on. Man, but all of you, you know, there, there are a few decent YouTubers or whatnot. They're hard to find. Do what these disciples did. Man, head for the church. Head for other disciples. Share with them. Talk with them. Man, you've got a wealth of strong Christians in this body who you can talk to. And um, that is my challenge. You know, we've, we've got to go to other believers. We've got to run to them. We got to know them. And so, I guess I'm going to save the rest of uh, chapter 24 for the youth next week. And everything we covered will be on the final. And um, that, that goes for the adults too. It's going to be on the final. And Back to how we started. He is risen. Oh, come on. He is risen. So I, I want us to go back real quick to verse 5. I think verse 5. The challenge was, why do you seek the living among the dead? What's the dead in our culture? I already brought it up. TikTok, Facebook, YouTube. Those who are telling you, blow up your faith. Come up with your own faith. It's the Garden of Eden all over again. Did God really say, you can be like God? You know, those YouTube influencers or 
TikTok influencers. They may be sexier than I am, but they don't have your well-being in mind. They are preying on our youth. They'll, they'll prey on anybody they can get to. Because that way, it just reinforces that what they're doing is right in their eyes. It is not. Man, we need the church more than ever today. And, um, and that's what I'm going to leave you with. Man, be the church. And if you've got questions, I'm not going to have an altar call. I'm speaking to the believers here. And I'm recognizing, you know, uh, the people here. And so this is an in-house discussion. Come to the church. Got Sarah. Got Jesse. Got Daniel up front. You know, he's teaching Friday nights. You know, he's young. You know, we, we, we've got elders here. We've got a younger here. We've got Bob and Barbara and Ted and Jan who love you. And they will answer questions, and they'll talk to you, and they will pray for you. And so take advantage of the church when you have a Luke 24 moment. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jesse.